It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the e-commerce master plan. I'm an author, speaker and advisor, and I focus on e-commerce marketing. Now, before we get into the episode proper, I wanted to let you know that we've just added a few more sessions to the already jam-packed e-commerce master plan virtual summit. If you've not yet got yourself access to it, then go get signed up. It's completely free. You'll get immediate access to over 30 video sessions that I've recorded with a wide range of e-commerce specialists explaining different things you can do to improve your business. Get it now for free at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash summit. Now, as we do every year on the show, we are finishing up the year by asking a hand-picked group of experts a couple of key questions. Those are being split over this episode and episode 136, which will be with you next week. In 136, I'm going to be asking them what they think is the number one thing an e-commerce business owner should be doing in 2018 to grow their business. But before we get to those answers, we need to wrap up 2017. So today, the question they're answering is... What was the most interesting thing that happened in e-commerce in 2017? Now, it would be fair to say that our experts have a huge variety of answers to this one. Not exactly surprising considering how much the big picture has evolved this year, whilst the day-to-day hasn't changed hugely. We're going to start off with Alex O'Byrne. He's one of the founders of Europe's number one Shopify agency, We Make Websites, now with offices in New York too. Uh, It's great to have Alex back again because he always gives us some great answers. Here's his most interesting thing that happened in e-commerce in 2017. I think what's been interesting for us in 2017 is the growth of Shopify as a platform that appeals to top tier and household name retailers. So in the past, it's been viewed as a platform for smaller businesses. But now we're doing mainly clients that are doing at least a million and sometimes 30 or 40 million through Shopify. And they are household name brands. So we're working with people like HarperCollins, PepsiCo, The Economist, National Portrait Gallery, Emma Bridgewater, and many, many other brands that you see just walking around London or commonly online. And that's because Shopify has really expanded its functionality so that it caters for those businesses. And there's a whole ecosystem of partners and agencies like us that will get Shopify to a place where it's of massive value to those merchants. And at the same time, they're not having to deal with PCI compliance, security, upgrades, uh, downtime and uptime. And over Black Friday, for example, Shopify took a billion dollars through their platform and it was online the whole time. So that's just something that we could sort of take for granted. And then we're able to build on top of that, focus on conversion and design. Um, And another big part of that, I think, has been that the Magento 1 to Magento 2 upgrade for a lot of brands has been a bit of a struggle and expensive and basically a replatform, which has meant they've looked around the marketplace a bit more. So I think that's gone in our favor a bit. So I think 2017 was the year where we saw some really, truly household name brands move over to Shopify. And as of uh, as is commonly the case with these things, it's a bit of a snowball effect. And once one of them's done it, then other ones that sort of look around at what everyone else is doing will begin to move as well. So that's been a big thing that has grown our business and has um, been yeah, good news and interesting in 2017. 
So, the year where Shopify and cloud commerce came into its own. I have to say, anyone not already with their key systems in the cloud should really be considering that in 2018. No more worrying about the intern pouring a cup of coffee over the servers. No more worrying about security patches. I'm a big fan of the cloud. Now, if you're thinking of moving over to Shopify, then why not make it even more cost-effective by getting the special e-commerce master plan discount? Just head to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Shopify to get your hands on that. Our next expert's voice may sound a tad familiar. Matt Warren was our second most listened to interview of 2017 when he came on to talk about his experiences as a client-side retailer. He was second only to Michael Gerber, international best-selling author of The E-Myth. That's pretty good going, really. Um, Now, you can hear Matt's full interview back in episode 85-5, and I'll put a link to it on the show notes so you can find it nice and easily. Now, Matt is the founder of Vico, the number one inventory management system. And here's his bold take on what's happened in 2017. For me, 2017 and e-commerce was really interesting because I think it was the beginning of the end for Google. Google's dominated um, online retailers in terms of leads, where they get their customers from, either Google Shopping or organic search. Uh, And... For the first time, I can really see that decreasing going forward because of other other channels. Millennials now, the younger generation, they're, they're buying via Instagram or Pinterest. They're not just traditionally searching, whereas five, ten years ago, that was the only source of way of, of buying online, or definitely the major one. And I, I've seen a decline in that. I can see Google becoming less important over the next few years as as these other sources or, or thing, even stuff like Amazon's Alexa tool, um, people start to buy via voice, you know, skipping out the search. So, so for me, 2017 was the decline of search, but the rise of of social and new mediums. Perhaps we didn't see um, such as voice a few, a few years ago. That's a bold statement, Matt. Um, do you think? In, but but one I can completely understand where you're coming from with. I should say. Um, do you think partly that's been that's partly the the move of advertising spend onto the social platforms as well? Because personally, this year I've spoken to so many people who are getting on board with Facebook ads. I think so. Yeah, I think Facebook has definitely come of age. The ads work now, whereas again a few years ago they were they weren't that effective, and for various reasons now they are pretty effective. Uh, at working and they're they're probably more cost effective than the google shopping ads which have become more and more expensive um over over the years um i I personally wouldn't believe it myself either but through through vico uh, i've met so many customers who are only source of revenue is via instagram and it's really hard for me to believe it's like you don't do seo you don't do ppc no literally they've got a few million followers on instagram and the photos that that they're sending sharing out are not particularly much about product they're quite often just lifestyle photos um but that's how i think the sort of the younger generation are certainly buying um and as that generation grows up you know i don't think they're going to change their habits they, they're going to be finding and um, discovering new things to buy via you know pinterest and instagram i think and we're talking there about businesses of a size who are getting all their sales via instagram not just someone doing 100 quid a week aren't we just to, no, just just for the doubters listening, going, oh yeah, of course they are, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can I can probably give you ten customers of ours who are turning over, you know, uh, a minimum of two million pounds up to about six seven million pounds. Who Instagram is their number one source of uh, traffic, 
again, it, I found that hard to believe, but I've got to know those businesses uh, and they're phenomenally successful. And, and the scary thing is that they're growing rapidly as well. And don't fret, I'm already working with the Vico team to get one of those Instagram-focused businesses on the show for you in the coming months. Okay, we've got a new voice on the podcast up next, but he's not new to the e-commerce master plan as he's also one of the e-commerce insiders presenting in the e-commerce master plan summit. Now, Kieran Bollard is the managing director of Kumo, a cloud commerce platform. Kieran has over 20 years experience at growing and developing online businesses, both client side and supplier side. And he's been at the helm of Kumo for over 18 months. So he really does know what he's talking about. He has for us not one but three interesting things that happened in 2017. Yes in 2017 I think there were a number of things that happened actually and we've seen with our retailers and customers one of those I think was the explosion of marketplaces I mean we know obviously that eBay and Amazon represent about a billion users uh, but I think the advent of you know retailers and fashion retailers in particular using it to launch their seasons and that's never really happened on marketplaces. And in 2017, that started. I think Calvin Klein was the first to do it. Um, so I think marketplaces certainly are starting to become a go-to place for brands to launch seasons and launch collections, which has never happened before. I think also in 2017, there was a lot of pressure um, and a lot of changes that uh, came about uh, in logistics. Which, which has a knock-on effect on retailers' margins and profits for, for retailers. Um, with Amazon Now, for example, uh, being able to deliver in the same day and within a couple of hours to your home in London is you know, a big change. Um, and consumers are expecting, starting to expect that. So I think that's, that's an interesting dynamic that you know, creates a lot of pressure um, for uh, people to you know, try and compete with that. Uh, level of service to a customer. And the other thing I think was pretty compelling is is voice search. Um, and with Amazon being the, the go-to place for product searches now and more product searches happening on Amazon than are happening on Google, I think that voice search certainly in 2017 and going into 2018 will be a very interesting um, journey um, and to see how where that ends up in 2018 and using machine learning with voice search, voice search um, to contextualize the experience. Building on the voice element, next up we're going to have Chris Dawson of Tame Bay back in our experts panel yet again. Well, millions of households around the world will have just opened their Christmas presents and many of them will have got their first Amazon Alexa device or their Google Home or Google Home Mini and they will be starting to use voice to interrogate the internet and they'll be doing some fun things. The most asked question around Amazon Alexa is, will you marry me? But people are using these devices for shopping. One in five people have already placed a voice order of some description, and it's expected that a third of us will do so at some time this year in 2018. So retailers need to start thinking about how they're going to integrate with voice and what difference this will make to how consumers buy. And it's not just Alexa devices. It's also totally new devices like Toshiba are bringing out a new television with Alexa built in. eBay have bought out loads of interesting image searches where you can either 
take a photograph and drop that photo in the eBay search bar, or without even taking a photo, if you see an image anywhere on the web, whether it be on a shopping site or a news site or a magazine site, you can just share that photo with eBay. You know how people, if you see something interesting on the web, you might share it to your Facebook friends or share it to WhatsApp or share it to Facebook Messenger. Well, you can share it to eBay and eBay will go and find products that look like that image. So I think, well, I hate to use the techie speak, but at a tipping point, at the the same way that there was the kind of tipping point where people moved from using a desktop or a laptop to using a mobile or a tablet, people are now going to switch from using a mobile or a tablet use other devices and other ways of searching the web, whether it be voice search, whether it be on the television set where we can properly search on our TVs, or whether we use mobile, but rather than type in interrogatory searches um, or using voice search, which is just another way of typing, we're going to be searching in different ways. And image search is a really interesting one because with an image search, you can search for something you can't necessarily describe. But let's say you saw a, a, some art. It could be something like a vase or a sculpture or a statue, and you thought, really like that. How do you describe it? Let's say you're a cat fan, and you, you, you see an ornament of a cat in someone's house, and it's, maybe it's a cat crouching with its tail curled up or something. How do you describe that to search? You can search for cat ornaments, but that's not really going to find ones that look like what you've just seen. And that's why image search is interesting, because it can start looking for things that are almost impossible to describe, but that you can see. So I think the the way that e-commerce has shaped in this year and the new technology that's coming through is just so interesting. So I couldn't leave it hanging there. I had to ask Chris to outline how we could take advantage of this in 2018. I think retailers need to do an awful lot to prepare for these changes, but it's actually just going back to basics. So for image search, that's easy. What you need to do is really sharp, good quality images on a plain background so that the tech companies, whether it be eBay, Amazon, Google, Bing, whoever it is, can actually analyze your image. And it's worth remembering that tech companies don't look at your image and then compare it with other other images the same. What they do is try and infer details from your image. So if, for example, you're looking for a tech shirt, they'll identify that this is a shirt, it's probably a man's shirt, is it long sleeve, is it short sleeve, has it got buttons, has it got a collar, has it got a pocket, what colour is it, what pattern is it, and they'll start to infer details about the picture that you've taken or uploaded or shared. And then they will look at the product data that other retailers have attached to their item. And this might be on a marketplace, it might be what we call structured data or product attributes or item specifics. Or it may be, um, we're all familiar with GTINs or Global Trade Identification Numbers. It may be information that's attached to a GTIN with Smart Search, which you can use on your own website rather than on the marketplace. But it's key that we not only have sharp pictures so that they can be analyzed and those details inferred, but it's also key for our own products that we attach these um, product attributes. And it, you may think that there are 
real pain to to to, to add, and frankly, that's because they are. But you can see why, if someone is looking for a What's the difference between a check shirt and a gingham shirt, for example? Well, it's the size of the squares or the size of the check pattern. And it becomes really important that we describe our products in ever more increasing detail so that the search engines, when they're looking for them, can find them. And also, if we're doing something like a voice search, don't forget that the end user won't actually even be able to see the product. So whatever description they give, um, we've got to be able to relate it to our product. And the one I would take on that, because it's such a box-standard product, is, a, is a, a pink iPhone, and I mean the big iPhone. Now, whatever search engine you're using has now got to translate the fact that it's an iPhone, got that. It's a pink iPhone, but of course they're not pink, they're rose gold, so it's got to know that pink equals rose gold. And the big one, you've got to know that it's the, it's the, it's the iPhone Plus, it's not the basic iPhone, or in Samsung terms, it'd probably be the XL or something. So, Search engines have got to get increasingly more powerful and be able to relate different um, colors to more basic colors or the product standard color. But as a retailer, we've got to describe these products and make sure those attributes are there so that we're giving the search engines a helping hand. And whilst it might seem such an enormous pain to do all of this work, the truth of it is the retailers that do the most work will win most often. And consumers will search for the most bizarre things. For instance, I wanted a new television. And a year ago, I had my house plastered. And before it was plastered, I buried the cables for the TV into the wall. And I was sensible. I put a power cable in. I put a couple of HDMI cables in. I put an Ethernet cable in. I put a USB cable in. I put every cable, oh, an aerial cable, every cable I could ever want. But that limits my choice of TV to only TVs that use a figure of a power cable. And some TVs still use kettle leads. Um, but I didn't bury a kettle lead in the wall. So when I want a TV, I cannot find a single manufacturer who specifies what type of power cable their TV uses. Now, you can imagine, I don't really want to have the house read plastered. I want the TV with the figure of eight cable. Um, and that's an attribute I would love TV manufacturers or retailers to actually put in their product data because that's what I'm looking for. And that's the type of detail that the consumers will look for. may not be a TV, but they'll be looking for something specific. And the retailer will win will be the one retailer that bothered to put that product detail in their structured data. I've purposefully saved the thoughts of Simon Bell, founder and managing director of Magento Agency Diligent Commerce, until last, as I think his thoughts on 2017 are in some ways the umbrella under which all our other experts' thoughts sit. I think the most interesting thing that happened in e-commerce in 2017 is a growth of customer-focused thinking. The need to be truly customer-focused and really understand uh, the customer and it's been a long time of coming because for me, this is absolutely fundamental. In other words, the switch in approach from simple acquisition, selling one item, to more thinking about maximizing lifetime value. Making the first time customer make their second purchase, which is absolutely fundamental because we all know it's expensive to generate new business and retention is far more cost effective. So your lowest hanging fruit are your loyalists, people who've bought before. And I think in 2017, we're beginning to see a kind of belated swing to this uh, fact. 
And I think the evidence of this, because it's always useful to point to some evidence, is the uh, explosion in AI, or at least the excitement surround, surrounding AI, in better understanding the customer and having a one-to-one relationship. And it's, um, it's big brother, big data, understanding who your customers are, their tastes and their preference. So for me, 2017, we're finally beginning to see more customer-focused thinking. Well, that is all our experts. What I think is particularly interesting this time is that it's all very big picture strategic discussion points. Last year was all Black Friday, mobile payment, segmentation and lots and lots of practical things. This year, much more big picture. Another sign, I think, that our industry is maturing. You can get the show notes for this episode, including all the links and resources we mentioned by heading to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find a link to this show. It's number 134. We have a wealth of great podcasts coming up to help you make 2018 truly successful. So make sure you keep listening, especially to our January growth series, which we're doing again in 2018. So I'm going to be bringing you nine podcast episodes during January, covering a wide range of ways to grow. It's all interviews and includes the second expert show where they'll be answering what they think is the number one thing an e-commerce business owner should do in 2018 to grow their business, plus lots of retailers and a couple of authors giving you their thoughts as well. First up in the growth series is my interview with Tom from US retailer Yandy, explaining their fascinating approach to line extension. It's a must listen and it's going to be up next. Have a great week and keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.